Hi, I'm Hayden, and welcome to Skillpoint, the podcast on a mission to level up the recruitment marketing industry. We dig deep into insights, tactics, successes, and failures from leading experts in and outside of the industry. So what are you waiting for? Let's get going. So welcome to another episode of the Skillpoint podcast, the podcast on a mission to level up the recruitment industry. Um, I'm joined by a really exciting guest today, and we've had a bit of back and forth, haven't we, getting this booked in. Uh, but this is uh, Jess Cook. She is the content uh, head of content at Lasso um, and co-host of an awesome podcast, so I definitely recommend that you look at called it That's Marketing Baby. Um, in this episode, we're going to be going through some really interesting topics, three main topics. Um, the first one is standing out above all this AI content that's going on um, and trying to make a difference. Um, and when, if you're a small agency, and I imagine a lot of our um, listeners are, um, how to go big and stand out against some of the, some of the, the big boys out there in the industry. And um, the finally, um, looking at sort of how to s- sell and tell a memorable story with data and insights, because it can be done. Um, so Jess, thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to come onto the podcast. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Hayden. Um, just to start off, would you be able to give us just a quick bit of a background on yourself um, and sort of how you how you've got to where you are now? Because you're you're doing fantastic on LinkedIn. If no one's following, if anyone's not following you, Jess, and they're interested in content, I would definitely say just drop a connection request or a follow over LinkedIn. Oh, thank you so much. Well, I, so the first. 15 years of my career uh, were spent in ad agencies. I was a copywriter and creative director on B2C brands. Um, so Rice Krispies and Pop-Tarts and uh, Cottonelle toilet paper and uh, all kinds of fun little you know consumer packaged goods brands. Um, and about four years ago, I decided that I wanted to make a change. Um, I didn't really feel like the work-life balance was very sustainable you know, in the agency kind of world. Um, I wanted to work remotely, uh, which, you know, wasn't like super, uh, available. This was 2019. It was like just becoming a thing. Um, and I, I found that like, Hey, content marketing is like, there's a lot of remote content marketing positions and that kind of feels like what I'm doing. You know, I'm, 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 I'm a content marketer. Yeah. I'm creating content. Right. And, um, I was lucky enough to land a job as a content marketing manager at a company called Fastly. And I very quickly realized uh, copywriting for B2C brands and content marketing for B2B brands are vastly different. Um, A lot of the same skills, but just like how you apply them is, uh, is, is very different. Um, And so I have been doing this for about four years now um, and just learning a ton along the way. I've made a couple moves. I moved uh, from Fastly to a company called Marpipe, where I was head of content and a team of one. And right now I'm head of content at Lasso, uh, where I have uh, an awesome small team of about four folks. And, uh, you know, we're doing some really, really fun, exciting things in the event industry space um in SaaS. So uh yeah, that's it in a nutshell. Nice. So quite a story journey in terms of content marketing. Um if someone was coming into the industry right now and they wanted to become a content marketer, what is one piece of like major advice you'd give them to think about? 
I would say understand how to build a business case, like understand how the idea that you want to execute that you think is really interesting and cool would tie back to what the business is trying to achieve this quarter this year. That was something that was completely lost on me uh, as an advertising creative, um, because, you know, in advertising, like the coolest idea wins, the most breakthrough idea wins you know, whether it really ties back to the goal entirely or not. And you're not the person coming up with the goal or responsible for the goal, right? So when I came to SaaS and I came to content marketing, uh, that thinking, that line of thinking was very new to me. And so I would just say, you know, like watch others, how they do that, um, try to understand where they get their inputs from to kind of know, like, what are the goals and like, what is, how would I use content to help achieve that, right? Like just learn from others how they do it and, and really get into the zone of practicing that. It's that whole working backwards approach, isn't it? Going yeah. to the, the end goal. Um, I, I remember the times, I think, I think what I would say with that, with that, I completely agree and figure out the objectives of the business and how content can play a role because then it gives you leverage, doesn't it? Cause a lot of the time, mm-hmm. CEOs will be very fast on pace, million ideas coming at you, but actually you can say, hold on a minute, we're working on this. This meets the business objectives. What do you actually want me to refocus on, especially with content as well? Yeah, exactly. You only have so many resources. You only have so much time. And uh, you're right. Like everybody has ideas. You know, all the departments are coming to you with like, hey, we should do this. (laughs) It's like, well, we would if X was the goal, but Y is the goal. So we're going to work on this thing instead. And, you know, someday when that's the goal, we can, you know, so yeah, it does give you, it, it helps you prioritize. It helps you understand when to say no and have a rationale for why you're saying no. Um, you, you know, you're not just saying no, cause you don't want to help that person. You're saying no, because that's not achieving the goal that we're, we're tasked with at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. And do you think, um, a marketing strategy and a content strategy should be a separate thing, or do you think they should be the same thing all wrapped up in one? They should be pretty tightly aligned, but they're definitely not the same thing. I think marketing encompasses so many different disciplines, right? Um, content being just one of them, but that also oversees, you know, hey, what are we doing in the field? What are we doing for events, right? Like, what is the overall strategy uh, that we are going to employ? um, to hit this goal. And then content strategy is a part of that. Like, how are we going to then use content to, you know, do all the things that we've aligned to in this marketing strategy. So they're very close, but, but not the same. I mean, if you're looking at it as like a document or a plan, they're, they're definitely two different plans. Yeah, absolutely. Great. So let's move on to standing out, um, with creative content amidst AI generated content I think we're definitely seeing it aren't we I think I've been playing with with GPT-4 and it's super powerful and you can do some really cool stuff with it but I said on a previous podcast that I've actually been unable to with tons of testing with prompts to really get good social media content out of it in any way so I don't think um, there's you need to worry quite now because it all just has its same a similar tone of voice doesn't it AI and even if you input stuff it ends up just going back to same old AI boring content yes it does so so but at the same times on LinkedIn we're seeing a lot of comments uh, predominantly comments I think that are AI generated as well as as well as content but I think this this lowers the bar doesn't it it levels the playing field a little bit for great content so 
on top top of mind for you what is what is the most important thing for someone to do immediately to sort of stand out above this sea of ai that's out there at the moment okay i think there's a few things uh one is stories stories above all right ai is never going to have an experience a life experience that they can use as an example to to teach a lesson or you know show a thing or or portray a concept so that's number one like especially like in in personal branding right that's very simple use your experiences and tell a story about how you learned you know something the hard way or the mistake you made that one time or something you're really proud of right so that that's one way two i think is and this maybe leans a little bit more into the saas side of things but uh original research i think is and i think we're going to talk about that in a little bit is uh i think we're going to see just it an enormous increase in brands doing that, whether it's very formal with some sort of, you know, analyst firm, or it's uh, kind of scrappy and, you know, just an email to their, you know, 300 customers. Um, first party data is exciting and interesting and original. And so I think we're going to see a lot more of that. And third, I think we're going to see a big shift um, investment into video and just humanizing your company because again like you can't do that with ai so for an example right now i'm working on a project where i'm interviewing kind of all of our heads of each department within lasso um talking about like why we're building lasso the way we are what's something if you wanted to pull the curtain back and show you know our customers and our buyers you know what we're doing that maybe they don't know about what would you want them to know because now i'm going to have from, you know, these 45 minute interviews with eight different SMEs, you know, 50, 60 video clips of people in our company who, you know, love our brand and are thinking in the best interest of the, of the customer and have a really interesting story to, to tell. And, uh, you know, I think now I'm going to be able to use that in social content for a long time. I'm going to be able to supply these SMEs with these clips and say, you go ahead and post these in your personal spaces, right? So uh, we can use them to bulk up some blog content that, you know, hey, this quote from this SME, uh, sorry, subject matter expert, I should always say that. I should not assume everyone knows what that means and that's okay. Uh, you know, maybe this clip really supports this point we made in this blog post. Like, let's find opportunities where we can use all of this. So those are kind of the three spots, I think. Stories, uh, original research, and just leveraging the people inside of your company um, to get ahead of AI and just put some humanity and some originality against, you know, what we're seeing right now in the market. And I think it's always always been that way, hasn't it? Stories that the most powerful form of communication, aren't they? It's the oldest form as well. Um, and yep. I think some people forget that, don't they? Um, yes. I really like that. It's like the the whole building in public thing that is so popular now, isn't it? On on social media is, you know, share the the, the experiences, the good and the bad over, over LinkedIn or whatever content that you do, and then try and repurpose it that way. Um, yeah. SME, yeah, see that's that that term that you, you threw out there. I, I, all the all the big podcasters use it. it's the new term isn't it subject matter expert when you're sort of positioning yeah. a podcast but it, over the uk sme means small medium enterprise business so it means like a oh. smaller business so i was always like what why are they you need to get an sme on your uh, podcast i'm like oh, that's making any sense the whole company what yeah. <laughs> um so how do you identify and develop 
uh, a creative centerpiece for your campaigns when you're mm. going and doing that kind of thing. Yeah. So this is kind of something new that uh, like a, a little, you know, handle we've given um, this process that we've been using at Lasso. So we've had three, four, I've lost count now, new product announcements yet this year it's April. <laughs> um, and so we've been very hard at work on like, okay, what is, what are we going to announce? What's the message? What's the one thing we want people to know about this new product that's coming out? So for instance, in uh, March 1st, we announced that we had uh, an inventory product for event production companies. Um, and, you know, we're a small team. We have four people. Um, and, you know, we are trying to be very efficient with our time and our dollars, but have, you know, as everyone else wants to maximum impact with that, that time, and those resources. So we came up with this idea that like each product announcement is going to have some sort of creative centerpiece that everything else uh, can use. Right. And so for inventory, we did kind of a reveal video uh, that was built upon an insight that I had heard from uh, a call with SMEs, uh, not uh, with, with subject matter experts. And, um, you know, it was a quick, like 15 second video that kind of introduced the idea that Lasso now has this inventory product. And we used that everywhere. So we used it on the landing page. We used it in our emails. We turned it into a GIF and we put it inside of our social posts. We used it to do uh, an in product and on the website kind of you know, pop up of like, Hey, join, you know, get your name on the wait list. And so that was kind of the thing that we put everywhere, right? Because we're small, like we don't have the ability to create, you know, a, a huge video series or, um, you know, 12 different blog posts or, you know, anything like that. So we created this kind of one short creative piece that felt very impactful and one really big piece of blog content that we could repurpose through this entire kind of new product announcement campaign. So we're very, very efficient with our time. And we really focus on like, what's that one big splashy thing um, that is going to allow us to kind of like put all the messaging around and be kind of the centerpiece is the best word for it. The thing that we put out there and people, you know, gravitate toward and get excited about. And when we did that, we, you know, we create, we actually created a, a Slack channel for this uh, announcement, this launch, where everyone in the company just dumped all the feedback they were getting from people about the announcement itself. And so now we have this entire channel filled with, love that video, got me so hyped up. Oh my gosh, can't believe this product is coming out. When can I get a demo, right? And so now I have all these screenshots of like the excitement for this product. And there, there's another piece of content I can now create, right? look at all the people that are excited about this, you know, get on the wait list with them kind of thing. So it's really just a big, it's like a, you know, if you can kind of create one thing that then feeds itself, uh, if you will, that, uh, that is gold. And we've done that a couple times now where we've just created this one asset. We've used it everywhere. We have, you know, a couple more announcements coming up this year. We're, we're doing the same thing. Um, and now we've gotten into a really nice little motion where it doesn't feel so laborious anymore. Like we know what we're doing. We know where it's going to be distributed. Uh, and so that streamlines things a bit for us. Oh, amazing. That sounds fantastic. Absolutely fantastic idea. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm really glad that's um, going well for you. Um, in terms of the creative process, in terms of in coming up with an idea for that, you mentioned 
um, getting some insight from um, someone that you were speaking to. Um, are there any other like methods that you've used to sort of generate a spark of an idea that you can run with? Yeah, so I think the two, I mean, okay, let's say three best places are, um, okay, no, four, four best places. <laughs> Four of us. Okay. Do five if you want. <laughs> no, I, I just thought of, the, they just kept coming to me. All right, four. So first and foremost, your customers. If you can get on the phone with a customer, uh, the insights that you will get out of that are absolutely priceless. You will hear them say things in the way that, you know, the, the industry speaks. That's the kind of language you want to be using on your website and your marketing. You will hear them talk about pain points and they will apply emotions to those pain points, Right oh my gosh, it is like a battle to get this one thing done. And it is so stressful. And I, you know, I was talking to a customer yesterday and they told me something that they lost sleep over, right? Those are the things I want to know because that's what I want to help them solve in my content. So that's the first place. Talk to your customers. If you can't talk to customers, look at sales calls. If you have a gong or an Avoma, something that's recorded, if you can sit in on a sales call with your sales team and just listen, you don't have to ask any questions, but just listen to what they say and how they talk. So that's one place, your customers. Second place would be uh, sales, just going to sales and talking to them, right? They're talking to prospects every day who have all these problems they are start to see these trends, right? I had seven calls this week where someone mentioned X. We need a piece of content around that, right? So that they can start to see themes. I think that's really the big, um, the the big insight you can take away from sales. And same thing with customer success. That would be, uh, I think, the third place. Um, so you know, go to customer success. What are our customers saying? What did they? Why did they? You know, one of my favorite questions to ask is like, what happened on the day they just they realized they needed something like lasso? Like something happened, right? What was like the straw that broke the camel's back? And I want to know that. And then the fourth place would be if you have people in your company who were once in the industry or in that played sorry, that had the same job title as the people that you are targeting, right? So within Lasso, we have a ton of folks who used to work in an event production warehouse, used to, you know, build stages for concerts and festivals, um, used to do lighting rigging, right? Things like that used to schedule all of the people who do all of those things. And so I can go to those folks and say like, Hey, tell me about what it's like to work in a warehouse. And that was what I did for this inventory product launch. That was, you know, the, the people that are going to be using this product every day are in the warehouse, scanning things in and out, you know, scanning in lighting, scanning in uh, cameras, cables. Uh, they're making sure everything came back. They're making sure everything's working properly after it was just at the Taylor Swift concert for six weeks, right? So um, those are the four, I think, best inputs that you can get in terms of just really killer insights, uh, emotional insights that can inform your content. Yeah, amazing. And I think if you really get into the habit of just getting obsessed with insights, you can even provide so much value to the business itself because you can say that we're finding this challenge. Why don't you adjust your product offering to include yes. this as part of it? And then as a marketer, you're then going and becoming part of their product development team or giving insights to the CEO of something that they should be thinking about that they haven't thought about. 
Yeah. This is how you get a seat at the table, right? Mm -hmm. I think it's hard for marketing, especially content marketing to get a seat at the table because it's more difficult for us to be tied to revenue, right? Especially if you're in brand content, you're very top of funnel. Um, and this is the way that you do that, right? Like you get embedded in these teams and understand more deeply, uh, what it is that drives our customers, what it is that, uh, keeps them up at night, you know, things like that. And, and then you are, you're going to these other teams and saying, Hey, just so you know, I was on a call with this customer. I heard this, you know, there's gotta be some way we can address that, you know? Oh, and, and sales told me they heard that from three different prospects this week. Right. So you're kind of the eyes and ears a little bit everywhere, and you can help connect some dots uh, that maybe other departments just can't because they're not in the weeds like that. Mm, absolutely. Um, so say we get a great piece of insight, we want to run with it, we've got a creative idea, um, and we want to do our uh, creative centerpiece for a new product offering. From your experience now, that was it four that you said you've, you've recently launched? What would you say were some of the learnings that you had, things you would do differently um, so people can take that away and, and not make those mistakes if you did make any mistakes, that is? Yeah, uh, let me think about that. So, okay, so I think the first thing to nail down is like for this product announcement, what is the message? What is the one message we want people to know? For inventory, for us, it was very easy. There are lots of other inventory tools out there. Our main message, we didn't, I guess what I mean to say there is we didn't have to explain what inventory was. Everyone already knows they already have a competitor tool. What we needed to tell people is like, now we have one. Uh, and it can tie in with all the other lasso tools that you already have, right? So that was that was actually a pretty easy little announcement because we didn't have much to explain. People already knew. So that's kind of the thing. Like, what is the message going to be? If the message is simply, we now have this product, awesome. That's a that's a really nice, uh, easy message to, to get out there with. But we've had other products that come out that need a bit more explanation. Maybe there isn't a competitive tool. Maybe, you know, they're not sure... Um, what the benefit of it would be to them, right? Because it's it's a completely different way of working for them. So those are where you have to really dig deep, talk to your leadership, talk to your uh, product teams to understand like, okay, if you had to name three top kind of features and benefits of this product, what would it be? Well, go a little deeper than that. What does that help someone solve? Okay, how does that make someone feel when they solve it, right? So you just really have to get in past benefits and features and really understand like the, you know, maybe it provides someone relief. Maybe it allows them to, uh, you know, go on vacation because now they don't have to be the single point person on something anymore. You know, that's a bigger feeling than, um, oh, well, it lets them, you know, schedule something, um, very quickly, right. Saves time. <laughs> right. Uh, so we, we, I had a customer actually, um, this great clip where we asked, uh, you know, how would you describe lasso to someone else in your position? And he said, I would ask them if they like to drink beer with their friends in the driveway, because you're going to have a lot more time to do that now. 
And that is it right there, right? Like, yeah, yeah, it's going to save them time. But what is that time going to be spent doing, right? And right there, the idea is I'm going to get more time with my friends. I'm going to get more time with the people I care about. And if that like, okay, that's huge. Let's talk about that thing that we provide, right? That's way bigger than saves you, you know, 50% of your time. Um, nice nice yeah. the term I always like to use with this because absolutely is future not feature isn't it I think thinking yeah. about that kind of thing um yes do you test multiple messages and try and see which one lands we do uh we don't have a really uh formal testing procedure um but what we are very good at is putting all kinds of stuff out in, in social. That's kind of our favorite little testing proving ground, if you will, and seeing what does very well organically. You know, we have kind of a baseline or an average of like how our posts perform. And sometimes there'll be certain ones that like, oh, that one did very, very well. Right. Uh, with no money behind it at all. So, um, something we've been experimenting with, which maybe seems silly is, is memes, um, and I'm working with a lot of those internal experts, uh, who have, you know, experience in the warehouse and experience working, uh, on events, you know, at two in the morning, trying to put a stage together, things like that. Like, what are the things that really annoy you? You know, what are the things, what are the inside jokes that you guys have? Um, or I'll hear something and I'll put a meme together and I'm like, is this funny? And they're like, yes, but change this word to this, right? That's how we would say it. So that is something that every time we post a meme, we see a bump in followers. And so I like to use that as, you know, kind of a weekly little, like we post a meme, we get a bump in followers. And then the rest of the posts for the week are just like education, 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 right? So now we're educating more people than we did last week. Post a meme the next week, education, 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 right? So using kind of those two types of content, entertainment and education together, we have tested and found does really well to help grow the following and then educate that, you know, now grown following and grow it again. And so we do test it, but it's not super formal. A lot of it is based on like, let's try it and see, oh, that worked. Let's try it again. Oh, that worked. Okay. Now we have something. Let's continue this path. Let's do, we want to put some money behind some of these memes, right? Like they're performing really well. So um, that's kind of the, the type of testing we do right now with the bandwidth that, that we have. I think, I think that's great because they're just super relatable, aren't they? And especially if you really hit like a common pain point, yeah. and it's a good, it's a good way to test sentiment and the message, isn't it? At the end of the day, yeah, figuring it out. Um, <clears throat> so one of the questions that I had, uh, to sort of wrap up the, um, the creative centerpiece stuff is, is the big one uh, you know, how do you, how have you at Lasso ROI on this? Um, we are big. So we have a lot of goals at, at Lasso. We have um, individual goals. So each kind of person has uh, specific goals tied to, you know, their discipline. That goal ladders up to a demos booked goal for marketing specifically. And that goal ladders up to a company-wide revenue goal for that quarter. So we are always trying to make sure that like each goal begets the higher goal, right? These creative centerpieces allow us to hit that demo booked goal. Uh, Or we have goals around like, um, if it's a new product, like a wait list, you know, how many people do we want to join that wait list that will then help us when we get to a point where we can give them a demo, 
get to that demo booked goal and get to that revenue goal, right? So that's where we're really measured is how is inbound specifically driving those demos. And something we took a look at when I first started um, was who for the past year, who has been booking demos the most? What job title books demos most often on lasso.io? And then what job title is most likely to become a customer after seeing a demo? And we found out that those two titles were the same. And so we go after that title very, very heavily, right? Because we're most likely to win with them. So that's kind of where we're at. Like we are trying to drive demos and waitlist signups because that will then, you know, burgeon that revenue goal. And we're trying to figure out like who is going to get us there faster, which job title and which kind of product combination, you know, is there a product that brings people in most often, right? And can we tie those two together to have maximum impact on that demo goal, which then begets that revenue goal? So that's how we're measuring ROI. Of course, we look at tons of other stuff too. You know, we want to, we look at all the metrics, right? We love data. We are big HubSpot users. Uh, we want to know how all our emails did. And we want to know, you know, hey, did that social post perform? One of my favorite metrics to look at for content is uh, what I call the repurposing multiplier. How much extra, how many extra impressions or how much extra consumption did we get because we cut that podcast up and we shared it in social and email and all these other places, right? Uh, so that's a big one we look at. But in terms of like, what really moves the needle for the company? It's how many demos did we book and and what did that do for revenue? Yeah, fantastic. Um, really interested in that repurposing multiplier that you just mentioned there. So this is something that we we advocate quite a lot in our industry. Um, and you know, podcasts are everywhere at the moment, but I don't I don't think it's necessarily um, you know, people come to me sometimes when we, we're running podcasts for them and say, you know, how many for you should I be getting in within a month? So I said, don't worry about that. You should just yeah. be thinking about the amount of content and how much you can turn it into a machine. So talk to yep. me about your uh, repurposing multiplier there. How, how does that work? Because I'm very curious now. Yeah, uh, I love that you said that. Um, actually, someone on the team came to me yesterday and said, hey, you know, I noticed that this month we didn't have as many downloads of the podcast as we did last month. And I was like, that's okay. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and, and part of that is because the podcast for us is really just a content generation machine. It's great if we have, you know, 150 listeners an episode, amazing cherry on top. But what I really care about is how did we then use that content to drive our message and our point of view home in all the places that, that, you know, that one title that we know books demos the most wherever they are, right? We want that message to get in front of them. So that's what I really care about. So what we like to do is um, actually HubSpot has this really nice little uh, feature where you can tag any piece of social content, any email, any landing page uh, with a campaign. And so when we have a product announcement, we tag it with, you know, that the name of that product. Uh, our podcast is called Corralling the Chaos. So we also have a Corralling the Chaos tag in there, right? So anytime we are taking a piece of that content, we're repurposing it, either we're chopping it up or we've turned the podcast episode into a blog post somehow, we're tagging it with that campaign. And that allows us to then go back at the end of the quarter and see, for instance, Q4 last year, uh, 
corralling the chaos just through repurposed content alone, we were able to get, I believe it was an 11 and a half X multiplier on impressions just because we repurposed something we had already created. Um, and so it was something like 2000 people watched the original either YouTube video or listen to the full episode and 20,000 odd people watched clips, saw a clip in their email, uh, saw a, you know, um, a LinkedIn post based on something that came out of the podcast. So that's what matters to me is like, how are we being smart about the bigger long form pieces we're creating? Um, so we're not just creating, 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 creating and burning ourselves out. We're just being really efficient with our, with our dollars on our time. Yeah. Fantastic. And just, just a little side question. Do you have a, a call to action on the actual podcast episode itself? Say that again. So do you, do you use the podcast, the actual audio to have some kind of call to action to go through to a link or follow anything? Thank you. <laughs> um, we do. So sometimes it's, uh, you know, sometimes if we're talking very specifically about a product, which we don't do often, um, we will, you know, Hey, you know, we, this new product just came out. You can join the wait list. Um, a lot of times it's, it's actually the, the call to action is we're here for you. If you have any questions about the event industry or the subject we just talk about, we just talked about, uh, shoot us an email. Um, and that's really the main call to action. I think, um, lasso is very unique in that we, we sell by giving, like we want to give, give, give way more than we're asking of our buyers and our customers. And so I think, um, in doing that, we build a lot of trust, which means that when they're ready someday to buy, hopefully we are top of mind for them and they already trust us and have bought into our value. So that's like our main call to action is like, if you have questions, if you have concerns, if you have things you want us to talk about on this podcast, like tell us about it. Yeah, absolutely. It's like building a bank of karma, isn't it? Um, yeah. There's a few, you know, a few agencies that we've worked with and they've just been exclusively given out value. And then it comes to sell something that's like, it's okay, you can you can go for the hard sell now. You've done so much good and you've given away so much value that it's fine. You probably will get an uptick and they do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's move on to going big when you were small, um, small uh, agency, small company. Um, so I... From the message that you sent to me, you said um, B2B marketers need to start thinking more like B2C creative. So earlier on, you said that you've, you had B2C um, experience. Do you think the market is shifting now where B2B customers are becoming a lot more in that, that, that B2C, B2C mindset, that sort of that way that the market is shifting? I think there's a few things. I think, um, I think people... I think there's a, there's so many tools out there now, right? I, I just the other day used three tools to cut one video together because, you know, I like to uh, actually cut a clip into script, but then I like to, uh, I, I'm sorry, I had to download it from Riverside where I recorded it. I like to cut it into script, but then I like to add like little stickers and interesting, you know, uh, graphics in CapCut, right? So now I'm using three tools to do one thing. I think there's a ton of that out there. And I think people are ready for some consolidation. But consolidation brings complexity. Um, it's hard to explain what you do when you do 17 things. So I think what that's going to require is brand building. Like when you do 17 things, 
you can't talk about them all. So what's the one thing you can stand for in people's minds? And I think there's a lot like Airbnb last at the end of last year came out and said, like, we're shifting all of our dollars into brand. And I think we're going to start seeing a lot more of that. Now, Airbnb, I think everybody knows them. It's very easy to understand what they do. Uh, but I think we're going to start seeing, you know, some more complex and some more kind of like SaaS startups beginning to do that because they are building these really big systems that, you know, you can't, if you have a small team, you can't possibly talk about, you know, the 12 products to seven different personas. You'll just spread yourself so thin and nothing will be the quality that you need it to be to drive purchase. So I think then what you have to do is decide like, what's the one thing we're going to stand for? And how do we say that a hundred different ways? Um, And how do we do that in an interesting way that people are going to notice? So yeah, I think people are going to have to kind of start looking at B2C or e-commerce brands to get inspiration for like, how are they doing that? Right. Liquid death. I mean, everyone talks about liquid death and what they're doing. Um, whether you are a fan or not, uh, they stand out. And so I think you have to kind of figure out like, how far are we willing to go, uh, with our personality? Um, what can we say that really makes us unique that only we can say, um, and you know, how are we going to build that affinity without talking about seven features and, you know, time savings and things like that? Yeah. I think um, I listened to a, a really good soundbite. I can't remember the, the gentleman's name, but he said, you can't compete with a lot of these big businesses on money because they've just got a, a huge deep pocket to spend on ad, ads, et cetera. But you can compete by being smart and coming up with, great content that just comes out out of the blue and in terms of what the b2c brands are doing like you said the liquid death etc like that and there's there's a place now i think for things like guerrilla marketing isn't there or trying to do cool things in person do you think it's required that um like an sme within the business elevates themselves in a position and shows off their personality to be able to get that effect i don't No, I don't think you have to. I don't think every company is built like that. And that's okay. Um, I think what you have to do is use what you have at your disposal to create whatever that brand is, right? So if you have a very charismatic founder who loves being out there, sharing opinions, use that, lean into that. But if you don't, what else do you have? Do you, you know, maybe you just have a really great customer success team. Like everyone says, man, like the support on this product is killer. You know, we love the support that we get. Okay. Lean into that. Right. I think there's, I think there's something that you have to find that is like your differentiator and figure out what that is. Even if it's really, even if it's small, right. Like the difference between, um, you know, Jasper and copy AI, like what are, what are those things? Right. Um, and, and I know which one I like to use better. I know which brand I find more appealing. Um, and so I think you just have to find like what those little things are that are going to help you stand out, but it doesn't have to be your founder or someone in leadership. I don't think. No, fantastic. And I think it goes back to the point we was talking about before, wasn't it? It's like, doing the market research, figuring out the pain points and then going and figuring out the future, not the feature. So they can really, and you can just craft over time, 
a, a strong mission statement about how you're going to change the market. And then that just gives you so much more res- resonance, doesn't it, in, in the market and the messaging that you put out. Yeah, absolutely. So say we've got our individual our marketer with their small small team trying to look big, um, potentially the founder or they found their, their differentiator, their mission. What would you give as sort of actionable insight to get started, maybe their first first kickoff in terms of really producing good content and and trying to sort of get some results from what they're doing? Okay, I have I have a couple ideas here. One is I like to call it the MacGyver rule. Um, and you know, maybe not all your listeners will know who MacGyver is. I'm old. <laughs> Um, I just about know. <laughs> it's a TV okay, show. Isn't all right. It? <laughs> well, I'll explain it. So MacGyver was this, you know, in the US, there was a show called MacGyver. He was this guy who like he could get out of any precarious situation with like a toothpick and a ball of yarn. Right. And he would build like an explosive device out of it, blow the door off the thing and they'd run out just in time for the bomb to explode. Right. <laughs> but he used the things that were around him to create something great. And so that's kind of what I mean by that is you don't have to have uh, this enormous story um, and you don't have to have everything all figured out to create great content. Some of my favorite pieces of content have come from some tiny little thing that was kind of like a, you know, just a, a thrown out comment um, in a meeting once or a stat that I saw someone in customer success throw up in a Slack channel and, and make me think, Ooh, could we, could we use that? You know, that that's really interesting. Or like, let's dig into that a little bit more. So I think the first thing is like, you don't have to, if if you're worried about like, what am I going to write about? You probably have some things just sitting around, you know, your, your toothpick and your ball of yarn, uh, that you, if you just, kind of look around a bit, you can find those things and you can create a really wonderful story around them. So that's the first thing. Second thing is repurposing more than you create. So I think, um, you know, small teams uh, where they get really burnt out and kind of um, defeated is that they feel like they have to create new content all the time. They they have a self-imposed cadence of two blog posts a week right? And if you're one person doing that, that gets really heavy, really, really fast. Um, So maybe like question why you feel like you need to do two blog posts a week. Are all eight of those every month getting great traffic, engagement, um, conversion? Probably not. So what could you, what could you do without? Could you do two blog posts a month? And could you repurpose those So you have like really interesting, you know, great pieces of content that you can use for the next month or six weeks and, you know, kind of parse some lessons out in social or, you know, have the author of that blog post do a quick little video recap, uh, things like that. Like find opportunities where you don't have to, to work so hard to distribute and, and get that information out in different ways. Those are the two really, really big ones, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do you think things like uh, zero-click content in terms of repurposing things like blog articles are, are seeing a, a bigger surge in popularity and usefulness in marketing? I think so. I just think that's how we operate now, especially with chat, chat GPT. You know, fewer people are going to Google because it requires them to find the best search result. Now they go to chat GPT, 
they get an instant answer to their same question, right? So I think people just want an answer. Um, I also think it's why there's kind of this new, maybe it's not new, maybe it's just people are being more vocal about it, uh, thought like, get rid of the intro, stop with these intros, right? And the blog post of like, the history of the topic and a quote from a famous person, like get into the thing, like get me there. I just want the answer. I, you know, you know, when you go and you like search for a recipe and the person gives you their life story, <laughs> how they came upon oh. the recipe, <laughs> yeah. how they had to find the figs in some artesian market. Right. And then you finally, after scrolling for seven minutes, get to the recipe, like don't do that to people, like give them the answer they're looking for right away. That's how you build trust. That's how you, you know, get people to like, oh, I I'm going to click on their search result every time because I know they're going to get me the answer quickly. Yeah, absolutely. That's Google's fault, isn't it? On those recipes, just so they rank yeah. higher. Yeah. <laughs> There's just a nightmare, so they, isn't yeah. it? You're just yeah. scrolling. I just want my risotto recipe. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely. I completely agree. Um, one of the guys that work here, Will, he's he's got this new this new idea he's playing with. And I think he heard it from the um editor of the Logan Paul podcasts on on another podcast. Um, and he's he's very much like he said, you know, if he was a TV channel, you know, are there people going to sit through the ads with you, or do they just literally want straight into the content immediately? And you've got to kind of think like that. Because all that fluff that you put in front is good good for maybe setting up the scene but potentially people are you know in that tiktok mindset aren't they nowadays where they just <laughs> want that information immediately they just want a quick actual insight yep absolutely do you think um last question on this and then we'll move into data um and then we'll wrap up um do you think value still is the most important thing to get across or do you think people are kind of getting sick of being told what to think or what to do all the time and engaging stories uh are starting to and you know showing a bit more personalities is actually a little bit stronger that's a great question i don't think anyone's ever going to get sick of being given something that's going to help them do something faster do something better be better at their job look at something a new way, inspire them. I don't think anyone is ever going to get sick of that. I think where what I'm seeing, especially on LinkedIn with kind of personal brand type stuff is where someone can teach you a lesson in a very fun way. Um, you know, or in a way where it feels like you and I are just talking right now. It doesn't feel like I'm being preached to or sold to. Um, and so I think that is where, you know, we're starting to see a lot of these companies now doing this very smart thing where they're getting someone from each department or, you know, even just three or four people in marketing, because that's a very uh, visible part of the company to start posting on LinkedIn, right? Um, anyone at Lasso, if you ever see us post on LinkedIn, we always have the same yellow background in our headshot. You know, it's coming from someone at Lasso. Metadata does the same thing. And uh, so I think, you know, that I think is going to be like a big push now is personal branding companies being very accepting and encouraging of that because it only builds up their brand. Right. Um, and so I think that is, that's where we're going now. I don't think value is going away, but I think how it's delivered, that it's not coming from a company that perhaps it's coming from the people within the company is going to be what people are looking for. Great answer. Really cool. So data, 
in our yeah. industry, uh, one of the biggest things, uh, especially in recruitment, is salary surveys or doing insight reports because mm-hmm. it's, I think it's important for recruitment agencies to show that they've kind of got their finger on the pulse in the market movements and especially gives clients confidence. I was really inspired by your recent podcast on data. Um, and one of the things that really sort of touched with me is like telling the story with something. It can be preconceived as something quite boring, just having a list of salaries there, for example, or market research. You know, what, what is your advice in, in, in achieving that and making that kind of thing more interesting, more engaging? I think it has a lot to do with helping someone understand that data. And I, I think one of the best ways to do that is to give it a comparison, right? Especially when you're talking about like a, a salary uh, report. So, you know, saying that someone in this country makes this much uh, a month and that is what someone in this country makes in a year, right? Being able to just kind of see a comparison to those things is really, really helpful. When I was at Marpipe, we did uh, a a report on how often um, marketers can predict the performance of ad creative. So we showed them five sets of ads. Uh, Each set of ads only had like one small difference between them. And we asked marketers like, which one do you think performed better? And 52% of the time they got it right. And so instead of saying, you know, marketers can only predict the performance of ad creative 52% of the time. Our headline was when it comes to trusting marketers, creative intuition, you might as well flip a coin, right? Because I think that helps people understand and it's just more interesting. And it's like, well, what does that mean? I want to know more. Right. So I think if you can make the data intriguing and interesting and help someone wrap their head around it, it's just going to be, you know, one, build that trust, and two, they're going to want to they're going to want to continue to read and engage. Yeah, and I th- and I think that's that's the, another thing that you can do with it is re- again like repurposing. I think a lot of the time with data, people just leave it in the realms of it sticks in that report because it all needs to stick together because those that data is part of that big big questionnaire we did. But you can start extrapolating it, can't you? And doing those comparisons and creating right. social media smaller pieces of content. Yes, one hundred percent. Um, from your experience, um, and I'm sure you've probably done a few campaigns, including data, you know, what would your top tips be for gathering data uh, out there in the market? Um, you can be very scrappy about it. You don't have to, I think the very first research report that I was, uh, that I helped lead was a huge six figure project. We did it with a very well-known analyst firm. and it worked very well, but I don't think that that is definitely not the only way to go about it. Some of my favorite research we've done uh, at Lasso, we've kind of just like snuck in a little bit. Uh, and by that, I mean, you know, our podcast, we have, uh, we need to get some someone's bio in their headshot. So we have a form for that. But in that form, we also ask the same 10 questions of every single podcast guest. So now we've had 20 podcast guests come on. We can say, oh, you know, 70% of event production professionals don't trust their inventory system to blah, 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 right? And so now we have that data, but we would have sent them that form anyway. We just kind of took the opportunity to gather some information within it that we could then later use 
you know, in a blog post, as social content, as a report. So find little ways like that where you're already reaching out to someone. How can you kind of um, stick a little bit of qualitative, quantitative research in there, especially if you're already, that's already something you're doing? Yeah, love that. Um, this is something we do with some of our clients. We we say in Q4, what, you know, what, what would a great, really impactful report look like in terms of data? For example, in um, recruitment, diversity is such a huge, a huge um, thing that everyone's trying to sort of do better with. Um, so then we go and get them to ask diversity related questions within the podcast. Yes. Or if that looks like an ebook, map out the chapters and then go find someone that is a subject matter expert on that chapter and get their yes. insights and then repurpose that down the line. It's that whole working backwards. You need to be. Do you, do you feel like you kind of need to be months ahead in terms of where you want to get to. So you can, then you can do like the, the pre-work before. We're definitely not months ahead. I would say we are a month to six weeks ahead. And we know like, we know big milestones that are, you know, Q3, Q4, we know they're coming. Um, but in terms of like actual content we're creating or where we feel like we need to be, we try to stay pretty tight because again, we're small. Um, it gets really overwhelming to start thinking that far away. Um, so, and, and there's things that come up, right. They're very timely things that, oh, this is new. This is something in the event industry, some sort of regulation just passed. We should talk about that. So we don't try to get too far ahead of ourselves, uh, you know, because we just want to make sure we're, we're staying relevant to our audience. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Yes, I feel like that is a nice natural end to my lovely questions. Um, the only th other thing that I kind of do is have a little quick fire question round. Now, just to uh, just to uh, throw a little bit of a, a spanner in the works, I have not sent you the questions beforehand, so oh these are going to be super quick fire, but they're, they're they're quite easy, so don't worry. Um, okay. What's your favorite pizza topping? Uh, oh, okay. I do love pineapple on my pizza, but I also love barbecue chicken pizza. Love it. Love it. Best productivity method. You know, how do you stay productive? I set timers. So if I know I want to spend only two hours doing something, I will set that two hour timer and I will work like hell to make sure I can get it done in that two hours. Yeah. Love it. It's like setting a fire under your, under your yeah. butt, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, what's your favorite podcast to listen to? I love Exit Five, but I, I have a new one. Um, I do love Content Bounce House. Oh, I haven't heard of That's that. A good oh, one look at that for content marketers. If you're interested, yeah, Exit Five's great, isn't it? Um, yeah, so good. Uh, what company do you feel like does marketing the best? And it doesn't need to be um, like B two B. It could be any company out there in the sphere. Target. Target. Oh, interesting. What makes yes. you say that? Um. I know what to expect from Target. It's always bright, fun, cheery, a little bit, un you know, a little bit like surprising, like, ooh, they're working with this designer, but it's always something that like I can afford, I can buy that I don't feel guilty purchasing. So I think they let you like, you know, to use this phrase, live your best life <laughs> um, in a way that feels very, very fun. Um, and I know they're always going to provide that. Yeah, I love it. Every time we go to US, it's like, oh, you've got to go to a Target. You've got to go to a Walmart <laughs> just for the experience. It really is. <laughs> That's awesome. um, and last, last question. If you could live anywhere else in the world, where would it be? 
Oh man. I love Arizona. I don't know if you've ever been to Arizona. No, it is a no. beautiful state. Uh, the weather is amazing. The scenery is gorgeous. Um, we've been on vacation there multiple times and, and every time we go, we just love it. So someday I'd love to retire in Arizona. Nice. Um, I've been to Chicago and, uh, obviously as a tourist, California and Florida, but, um, I've always wanted to go to places that are a little bit more, you know, off, not off the beaten track, but somewhere where like a usual tourist wouldn't go that. And, and Washington seems like such a cool state to go to as well. I've never been to Washington. I, I would love to go. Yeah. Amazing. Um, thank you so much, Jess. I really appreciate you, you giving Amy. your time, tons of value, tons of insight. Um, if anyone wants to connect with you, um, what's the best way to do that i'm on linkedin um I, there's a lot of jess cooks i'm sure but i'm the only one at lasso so you can find me that way i also have a podcast that's marketing baby which you mentioned um it's on apple and spotify and uh you know it's me and and my marketing bestie uh up to some marketing shenanigans once a week so it's a fun it's a fun time so those are probably the two best ways amazing thank you so much jess have a great day thanks hayden you too <laughs>